You're listening to the Hudson Valley Region Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ, teaching and worshiping God in the beautiful New York State counties of Orange and Rockland. Well, hello, everybody. It is good to see you. If you don't know me, my name is Steve Kennard. And uh, this is my wonderful wife over here, Lee. And uh, wow, she gets a big scream and a big yell. And it's all right. She deserves it. She is awesome and wonderful. And uh, so I agree with that. Uh, I've been traveling a bit. I was in Brooklyn for a few Sundays, helping out in Brooklyn and preaching there. And that was a great time being with our uh, brothers and sisters in Brooklyn. And uh, then we did a trip to the Holy Land where we were able to uh, help out and uh, help lead a tour of over 140 people from over uh, 20 different countries. Uh, and all of those 20 countries, let me just say, they're just as interested in the election as you are. I never so, took so much ribbing for being an American as I did on this trip. Uh, and so it was, it was quite humbling uh, being around uh, in another part of the world uh, during this time. It is great to be back, and it's really great to be home, and it's really great to be with all of you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the extra hour that you got last night, and you feel fresh. I actually got an extra hour, we got an extra hour while we were in Israel. And so I'm two hours fresh, which is pretty great. And if we could get an hour every week, oh, that would be, that would be something really, really awesome. Um, but it is uh, truly, truly great to be with all of you today. We do feel like that this is home, and it's always great to come back and to, to be with you. I wanted to share a little bit about uh, Gethsemane today, sort of continuing on with what uh, Phil and Iris were uh, saying earlier. And I want to share a lesson uh, based on uh, a couple of passages from uh, Gethsemane. I tried to put together some pictures, but my computer was really, really messed up. But I did come up with a short little slideshow about uh, Gethsemane. And so uh, you will see the, some, of the, some of the olive trees from the Mount of Olives. And in the first century, the Mount of Olives would have been covered with olive trees. But in one corner, there was uh, an olive press, and that's Gethsemane. And that's where Jesus would have taken his disciples and where he would have prayed and would have asked them to keep watch with him uh, through the night. Today, the Mount of Olives itself is covered by uh, a cemetery. It's a Jewish cemetery there. And it is the most special place for Jews to be buried. In fact, the, uh, the, the single lot on the Mount of Olives these days goes for $100,000. $100,000 because the thought is, is that the Messiah, when he arrives, he's going to come through the eastern gate into the city of Jerusalem. And so the Mount of Olives is right there. Uh, it, but in the first century, it would have been covered with olive trees. And then in the corner of it, there would have been this olive press a little bit of a cave so that they could get a break from the cold. And Jesus would have gone into that part of Gethsemane to pray. So let me just show you a few pictures from this. You're going to notice the Dome of the Rock, which is the third holiest place in Islam. Where the Dome of the Rock is today, in the first century, it would have been the, the temple. And Jesus would have been praying toward the temple. And as he prayed this prayer, he would have been facing the temple and being able to look at the temple, the door of the temple, understanding that right behind the curtain there was the presence of his father. And so he would have been praying right to his father as he prays this prayer in Gethsemane. 
few pictures there from Gethsemane just to sort of help you see what it looks like today. It's a very special place for us. In fact, that olive tree that Lee and I were standing in front of, we would have family devotionals uh, when we lived in Jerusalem for a year. And our daughter Chelsea would climb up into that olive tree and just hang out on one of the, the branches there, on one of the limbs there. And so uh, when we went back, we wanted to make sure we got a picture uh, with that olive tree. There were a few special places that uh, we had while we were in uh, Jerusalem. And we got, uh, we got into these places time and time again because if you get to know the gatekeeper, the person who has the keys to the locks, then they'll let you in. And so I learned what each of them liked. One place I loved was the Southern Temple Mount because I believe that's where Pentecost happened. And it just so happened that the gatekeeper for the Southern Temple Mount, he loved bread. And so I would pick up some bread, take it to him, and then he would unlock the gate and let us in. I also really enjoyed Hezekiah's tunnel. It is from the time of King Hezekiah. And it was built by his engineers. They started at one end and the other end, just like the Bible says, and they met in the middle. They even found an inscription uh, that, that, that really says it happened just like the Bible said. And so you can go through that tunnel today. On the tour, many of our people, you guys went through it, right? Many of our people went through Hezekiah's tunnel. And I got to know the gatekeeper of Hezekiah's tunnel, so he would let Daniel and me in anytime we wanted. He liked Folger's coffee. I'm not sure why. Starbucks wasn't around then, and so he liked Folger's coffee. And then we got to know the gatekeeper of Gethsemane, which was our most special place of all. And I got to know the gatekeeper there, and unfortunately, what he really liked, more than bread and more than coffee, was shekels. Money. Israeli coinage. And so I would... Slip him a few shekels and he would let us in. But over time, he was like, yeah, go ahead, just come on in. And we got to have family devotionals in Gethsemane, which was really, really fantastic. Let me just read a couple of passages of Scripture. Phil read one. Let me read it again just to refresh your minds. I also want to read the passage from Luke. And I've got one point today. One point, okay? I know I'm not as good a preacher as Phil, but I can be shorter than Phil, okay? So I got one, one point today, just one point, because I I learned uh, in in preaching school that uh, it's better to be, you you need to be short and powerful, and if you can't be both, just be short, okay? So that's what I'm, that's my aim today, is to, to give you this one, one message, and that is, To keep watch with Jesus. Keep watch with Jesus. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep on Jesus. I think I just woke some of you up when I said that, actually. Sorry about that. Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Keep watch with Jesus. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Not Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. 
Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watch with Jesus. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, it is not possible. If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He came back. He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now look over in Luke 22, 39 through 46. It's the same story, but there is a detail in it that's not included in Matthew that I think is an important detail. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He was so intense in his prayer, the corpuscles started popping, and his sweat was turned to blood. When he rose from prayer, he went back to his disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted with sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation keep watch with jesus don't sleep stay awake with him stay awake stay awake and pray stay awake and pray that you do not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak keeping watch with jesus the disciples were given one task one task Keep watch. Stay awake. And actually, the idea of keeping watch is probably a little more than being a lookout or being a guard. Probably the idea was, be here with me. Pray along with me. Help me during this time of my anguish. And he was asking them for this personal favor. Stay awake with me. Keep watch with me. And I don't want to be too hard on the disciples here. Because it says that they were, and this is the detail in Luke, that they were exhausted with sorrow. And I get that. I've been exhausted with sorrow before. And I'm sure that many of you have as well. You get to the point where you just, you just can't really do anything. You have no energy. And you, you, you just feel like, I need to sleep. And the hope is, is that when you wake up, all of your troubles will be gone. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. You wake up and the troubles are still there. But you just feel that way. Sometimes when you see a really, really heavy movie, you're like, oh, I just need to go take a nap. That was so heavy. I need to take a nap now. And I get that. And I get that the disciples, that they were feeling that way. They were just exhausted with sorrow. And it had been a long, difficult week for all of them. And they had a sense of what Jesus was going to go through, but not fully understanding what he was going to 
about to go through. And so instead of keeping watch and staying awake, they fell asleep. And so I understand that, but at the same time, at the same time, I also understand that if a really good friend asks you to stay awake, just keep watch with me one hour. I need, I need a favor from you. Stay awake with me one hour. Then you could probably find a way to stay awake one hour. I mean, if you were really invested and really intentional in being close to this person, you could probably stay awake. You know, you bring coffee along with you. That'll help you out. And I was thinking, I was thinking today, I was thinking, you know, what if my, what if my, one of my good friends asked me, Steve, I, I, I'm going through a really intense time right now. I, I'm going to pray and I need you to pray with me. Can you pray with me an hour? I would say, yeah. I was thinking about Troy Baker, for example. If Troy were to say, Steve, stay awake with me one hour, I'd be like, yeah, Troy, I could do that. I'm with you. And I would fight and fight and fight to stay awake. If I were by myself, I still might struggle. But if he invited two other guys, let's say that Troy not only invited me, let's say he invited Mike Centauri. And so it's not just me anymore, it's me and Mike Centauri. And Troy says, you, you guys stay awake with me, pray with me one hour. Now if you know Mike Centauri, Mike's a serious guy. And Mike would find a way to stay awake, and he would find a way to keep me awake. And I started to, to, get, uh, to get a little sleepy. He would have me on the floor doing push-ups. Because that's what Mike does. And he would have me down doing push-ups, or he would have me doing some yoga stretches. He would find a way for the two of us to stay awake. Now what if Troy added one more person? What if not only it's me, not only is it Centauri, what if he asked Lance to come along as well? Now, I love Lance. We all love Lance. But, you know, Lance is a little bit of a scary guy. You know, he is. He's a little, you know, he's a little scary. And if Lance were there, I'd be afraid to fall asleep at that point. And that's my my point is, is that, okay, one person, you'll fall asleep. Three of you. One hour. Stay awake with me. One hour. Three of you. You could keep each other awake. It shows that they were just not connected with Jesus in the way that they should be. They weren't ready to keep watch with Him. When you're growing up, did you ever play the game Slug Bug? You know what Slug Bug is? Some of you guys grew up in the city and you have no idea. It's a game when you're traveling on the road. And, you know, they had these Volkswagen Beetles. And, they were, and we called them slug bugs. Because any time that you're traveling... And I had, I had two brothers alongside of me. One that came here along ten years later. But he wasn't with, the, with us while we were traveling when we were little kids. But we, we had this game with each other that the first person to see a Volkswagen Beetle could yell out slug bug. And he got to slug the person next to him as hard as he could hit them. And what it did, it kept you awake and it kept you alert and it kept you on your toes. 
And you weren't looking at the ads, and there were ads all over the roads back when I was a kid. You were looking down the road for the next slug bug to be able to get that next hit in. And that's how my brothers and I, I mean, I had sore arms at the end of our trips. But that's how we kept each other amused. We kept each other awake, hitting each other. That's what kids do. But if you're in the garden and Jesus says, stay awake one hour, keep watch one hour, you find a way, especially if there's three of you, you find a way. And it just shows that they weren't as intent on being with Jesus as they needed to be. Their minds weren't there. They failed to keep watch. They needed to stay awake with Jesus. Instead, they slept. And today... We need to keep watch with Jesus. We need to stay awake with Him. But here's the thing. Keeping watch with Jesus does not happen by accident. If you're going to stay awake with Jesus, you have to be intentional about it. Because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And temptation always comes our way. And so Jesus says, stay awake, pray, and pray through the temptation. You see, if we're not careful, we can easily sleepwalk through our Christian lives. We can just sleepwalk and not be as spiritual or as close to Jesus as we need to be. We get up in the morning. We have our routine quiet time. Nothing like the brother that woke up at 3 in the morning, put on his suit. I was so convicted by that. Put on his best clothes to be with the king of the universe. I was like, wow. You know, I got up at 3 o'clock yesterday, had my quiet time, because I, 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 it's jet lag, that's all. It was jet lag. It was morning for me. But I'm still in my PJs. You know, I didn't put my best suit on. I was so convicted by that. But we can wake up, go through a routine quiet time, just sort of drift through work. Rush off to school, rush back home, have a quick dinner with the family, perhaps run out to a regular midweek that we give a bit of our heart to, come back home, go to bed, wake up the next day, and just do it over again. And there's no real intent to try to serve God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We could sleepwalk through our Christianity. If we're not intentional about it, that's what will happen. To grow more and more like Jesus, to see change in your spiritual life, it won't happen by accident. You have to be intentional. And so Jesus says, keep watch, stay awake, pray. Let's not maintain the status quo. Let's decide that we are going to be different. That we're going to be brothers and sisters of deep conviction. That we're going to be disciples and true disciples. That we're going to be committed, fully committed to Jesus. When we think about growing like Jesus, we have to decide that we're going to do the things that he was willing to do. Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark. Just like the brother from the video. And he got up in order to be connected with the Father. Jesus memorized large portions of Scripture, had them on his heart. So when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he had those Scriptures ready 
to be able to cause Satan to flee? Do you have Scripture written on your heart? When's the last time you sat down and just memorized a large portion of Scripture? Understanding that if we put Scripture in our hearts, hide the Word of God in our hearts, it'll keep sin out of our lives. That's from the Psalms. Or develop the compassion of Jesus. The compassion that He had for the sick, for the needy, for the hurting. If we're going to be like Jesus, we have to develop His compassion. We have to be willing to go person to person and village to village, preaching the good news of God's kingdom to people, understanding that they're lost and they need the message of Jesus. We also have to be willing to embrace the Gethsemane prayer, one of the hardest prayers you'll ever pray. Not my will, but your will be done. To grow like Jesus, we have to embrace that prayer. So we have to decide to keep watch with Jesus. It won't happen by accident. We have to decide to stay awake. We have to decide that we will not sleepwalk through our discipleship. We will not sleepwalk through Christianity. You know, the older I get, all I really want to study, all I want to learn about, all I want to think about and meditate on, is Jesus. I want to become more and more like Jesus. But the way to do that, the way I have I have to attack that is by getting in the gospels, looking at his life, falling in love with him over and over and over again. Because the stories can become routine. It can be just reading through another chapter of the scripture. I have to apply what I see there. I want to study Jesus, meditate on Jesus, learn about Jesus, because Jesus is the difference maker. He is the one with the power. He is the one who gives me energy and gives me purpose. When I'm selfish, and I tend to be a selfish person, that's part of this, uh, you know, the, will, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My flesh is a selfish flesh. And when I get selfish, I have to think about the selflessness of Jesus. And I have to focus on Him. And I have to think, I want to be more like Jesus than I want to please myself. And that helps me. When I'm lazy about pursuing God, then I have to think about how Jesus would stay up all night in prayer to be connected to the Father. And am I willing to do that? When I'm struggling to love my neighbor, I have to see the way that Jesus reached out and touched lepers. The way that he spoke with outsiders like the Samaritan woman. The way that he cared for people with a selfless agape love. And that inspires me when I look at the life of Jesus. Now, one of the most special aspects of being in the Holy Land is being able to walk where Jesus walked. And on our tours, we love to highlight those places. You know, Phil talked about a lot about a lot of them. We love to take people to the Sea of Galilee because Jesus was on that that lake, that sea. We love to take them to Capernaum because that the place where he chose to make it the home base for his for his ministry in Galilee. We love to take people up to Caesarea Philippi because that's where the good confession was made, and Jesus was there. Nazareth, where he was born and where he grew up, or where he grew up. 
Bethlehem, where he was born. Bethsaida and uh, Bethesda, where he healed the, the man who was blind. The Garden of Gethsemane, one of our favorite places to go. The southern steps on the Temple Mount. You know, it's exciting to be in those places. And when you're there, you do feel a specialness. You do feel a connection. Because you know you're walking where Jesus walked. But here's the thing that I think we need to ask each other today. We need to ask ourselves. Am I walking with Jesus right now in my life? Am I taking every step with Him right now in my life? We don't have to go back to Gethsemane to have an amazing prayer time with God. We can bring Gethsemane to us. And we can bring Jesus to us. The steps of Jesus, are we following in His steps? They lead to the needy, the lonely, the hurting, and the lost. The steps of Jesus lead to great relationships in His kingdom. Helping, helpful, encouraging relationships. The steps of Jesus lead to us working together to see the world one around us and see the kingdom of Jesus built up. So, let's keep watch with Jesus. Let's not fall asleep. Let's stay awake. Let's pray. Let's pray lest we fall into temptation. And let's pray because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's keep watch with Jesus by obeying His commands. And just simply obeying the Bible. Doing what the Bible says. If you're disobedient to the Scriptures, you're not keeping watch with Jesus. And so look at your life. Make sure that you are being obedient to what the Bible says. Let's keep watch with Jesus by getting into His Word. Getting into the Gospels. And letting the Word of God change our hearts. Let's keep watch with Jesus by being men and women of prayer. Who really connect with the Father through prayer. And let's pray that we will not give in to temptation. Because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's keep watch with Jesus by renewing our zeal and our enthusiasm to see the world one for Christ. You know, one of the things that you notice when you're in Israel and you're in the West Bank and, or you think about Gaza or you think about Palestine is there is no church today like our church in Jerusalem or Bethlehem or Capernaum or if you go to the West Bank, you have, you have some major cities there like Hebron and Gaza City. We don't have one church like us in all of the West Bank. Not a one. You go to Ashkelon, which was one of the cities of the Philistines. It's a big city, a major city today. Not a church like us there in Ashkelon. We have some disciples in Tel Aviv. When you consider that whole area there, that's, that's what we have. There's so much to be done. I think sometimes we can fall asleep about that. And because we come to church here, you know, church is great here. You know, Phil's a great preacher. I'm preaching one point because I can't out-preach Phil Garrison. There's no way I could possibly do it. 
He's, a, he's one of my favorite preachers in the world. And not only that, Phil is a great guy. And Phil and Leslie are doing an amazing job here. And it's great to see so many young people that have come around and young couples that have come around. And uh, even some of you that are visiting here today, you know, uh, studying the Bible right now. It's, it's just fantastic. And I think we can be here and we can be in this group and we can think, well, this is just, this happens everywhere. But it doesn't. It's not, it's not happening in Jerusalem. It's not happening in Bethlehem or Hebron or Gaza City or Ashkelon or Ashdod. It's not happening there. And there's so much work that we have in front of us. And we need to stay awake. We need to keep watch. We need to understand that the world does need to be evangelized. The psalmists, they talk about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. But we need to also pray for the evangelism of Jerusalem. We need to increase our vision of young men and women that will dream dreams and see visions and be willing to go out and plant churches in tough fields. We need to stay awake. And most of all, I think that for all of us, we just need to make sure that we, each of us, are as committed to Jesus today as we've ever been in our lives before. That should not go backwards. Commitment to God, commitment to Jesus should not go backwards. It should only be going forward, upward momentum. You know, Jesus said, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Sin is a trap. And if you allow sin to come into your life, it will suck the life out of you. So keep watch. Stay awake. Be intentional. Have great times in the Word. Have inspiring prayer times. Decide to be with people that are going to build you up and encourage you and help you be strong as a disciple. Flee temptation. Say no to Satan. And if you flee temptation and say no to Satan, James promises the devil will run from you. When's the last time you made the devil run away? Stay awake with Jesus. Will you stay awake? One point today. One point. Keep watch. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep on Jesus. Let me conclude with this. Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus in Capernaum. Jesus in Bethsaida. Jesus in Chorazin. Jesus in Caesarea Philippi. Jesus in Nazareth. Jesus on the Temple Mount. Jesus on the Mount of Olives. Jesus in Gethsemane. Jesus asking his disciples, keep watch, stay awake, pray. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. For the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus on a cross at Golgotha, arms outstretched, breathing his last breath. Jesus in a tomb, but not for very long. Jesus rose. Up from the grave, Jesus rose. Keep watch. Stay awake. Pray. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Keep watch with Jesus. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to the Hudson Valley Region podcast. For more information about our ministry or to attend a church service, please visit our website 
at hvregion.com.